Let us pray. Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be always acceptable to you, my Lord, my rock, and my Redeemer. Amen. You may be seated. Well, I had an interesting uh, event that happened to me this week. Uh, Not that interesting, really, but it's interesting for me. This Friday, I went to the doctor because I am feeling like I am, as I told her, I feel like I'm 10 years older than I actually am. I have a lot of back pain that I struggle with, and it's just getting worse and worse. And I've gone to a chiropractor. I've talked to my doctor. Nothing seems to be getting better. And uh, she starts to ask me all of these questions, um, and, and she asks if there were an autoimmune disease within my family. When she said that, I was like, well, that's strange, but yes, my mother has autoimmune issues, and I think she has a lot of back pain herself. And so she started talking to me about um, autoimmune disease and autoimmune issues, If you don't know what autoimmune issues are or disease is, well, you're just like me. I don't really know a whole lot about it. But what I do know is that the human body works as a a system. We have a skeletal system and a nervous system. I remember that from from grade school, you know. Um, But we have an immune system, which fights off all of the the germs and, and sicknesses and illnesses. But when we have issues, that immune system... What it ends up doing is attacking the very body that it's supposed to be protecting. So you have a system within the overall system attacking the overall system. And this causes a lot of problems. And it makes my back hurt. (laughs) Now, I don't know if that's what I have. The words rheumatoid arthritis did come up. And I, I still feel like that shouldn't be in my vocabulary yet. That's for way down the road. But here I am. So I'm waiting on results and trying to figure out what that is. But I I, I wanted to mention this because the church is the body of Christ. This is what Paul tells us. The church is the body. We are the body of Christ. We are a system. And many of us know, sadly, from experience that the system of the church can have an autoimmune deficiency and begin to attack itself. And this is awful when this happens. Now, there's a lot of reasons for this. But one of the reasons is, and I mentioned last week this word anxiety. Anxiety. Last week I mentioned that many of you have confided in me, and I'm not going to name any names, so don't worry, But many of you have confided in me that you struggle with some sort of anxiety. There's all kinds of anxiety out there. Social anxiety, generalized anxiety, many anxieties. But there's an anxiety that I think can really affect the church. And it's like an autoimmune deficiency or disease that it can kind of come in. And the various parts of the body can become anxious And when that happens, it could be a recipe for a lot of conflict, right? Well, why, where does this anxiety come from? Well, I think there's a lot of different sources. 
I can't cover all of them, but I'm going to focus on probably the most obvious source of anxiety, which is the anxiety that is everywhere out there. You might call it our cultural anxiety or global anxiety. What it is is a response to all the rapid changes that are happening all around us. We might, um, we might experience that out in the world, but our Philippians passage today, I think what I hear Paul saying is that it's only our unity in the gospel of Jesus Christ, only that unity in the gospel, can we be a presence of peace or a non-anxious presence in an anxious age. And so that's what we're going to be doing over the next uh, several weeks. I'll be gone, so we'll be skipping around a little bit. Uh, but we're going to be spending some time in the book of Philippians, thinking about anxiety and the way that it affects the life of the church. Um, so why are we doing that? Well, many of you know this by heart. I do, but I'm terrible at quoting things. So I'm going to read Philippians 4, verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything, Paul says. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, that your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And there it is. Anxiety, be anxious for nothing. And the peace of God will guard your hearts and minds. And that's what we want to be. If Mission St. James is going to be a home for the wanderer in our, in our community, we need to be a place of peace. Well, we'll be spending uh, all of this time in the, the book of Philippians. Just a, a couple notes about the book of Philippians. Philippians is uh, it's an unusual of Paul's letters because it is, uh, it's, it's a friendly letter. So there's all these genres of letters. Um, and so a lot of scholars look at the way Paul wrote this letter. This is not a letter like to the Galatians where he says, you foolish Galatians. It's not to the Corinthians where he's like, what are you doing? Cast the sinner out. He's not laying the hammer down. He's really writing to encourage his friends. Now, we know that the uh, Philippian church was the first church in Europe that Paul planted. So it has a very special place in his heart, and many friends are there. We think we, he wrote it probably around the year 62 AD, which means that he's probably, we know he's writing it from prison. He's probably writing it from the Roman prison as he's awaiting his trial in Rome. So he makes mention of his, his imprisonment, and he wants to encourage his friends by telling them, look, this is all actually working out for the sake of the gospel. I'm preaching the gospel to the, to the prison guards and all the prisoners. This is awesome. Y'all shouldn't grieve for me. Rejoice with me. And so that's the point of his writing. But we're going to focus on verse 27 uh, in, our, in our passage today. And that verse just says, Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or, in, or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the sake, for the faith of the gospel. So Paul envisions us being united together in the midst of a lot of anxiety, in the midst of an anxious world. Well, there are various ways to uh, define anxiety. 
And I will, um, I'm just going to, just for our, I think this is a fairly general, um, so as we walk through this, just to keep in mind this definition, that anxiety is an emotional and physiological response to a threat that may be either real or perceived. Okay? The emotional and physiological response to a threat that may be either real or perceived, okay? Um, so if, if you do struggle with anxiety, you know exactly what that means and what that looks like. If you don't, just take our word for it. That's what it means. <laughs> okay, so the, the key for us to understand this is this, is this is about our unity in the gospel, our unity in the gospel. And so the question for us today is what threatens this unity? Well, we could go on and on and on, but I'll just name some of the, the obvious ones, and I'll kind of stop so we don't all get anxious in here at the same time together. But I don't know if you've been into the grocery store lately or purchased anything like gas lately. Inflation's through the roof. Our finances, our economy, we're used to a strong economy. We're used to low interest rates, all of these kinds of things. And that's gone, that's all going up. And so for the first time, maybe many of us are starting to feel like, oh my gosh, what sacrifices am I going to have to make? Now for us, compared to those who Brian and Cindy are ministering to in Ethiopia, we might say, well, that would probably do us some good, right? To, to make some more realistic priorities. But what I want us to think about is the change that that brings to everyone in the room. It means changes in our lifestyles. Different ways of living. I'm not saying that's good. I'm not saying that's bad. I'm just saying that creates anxiety, right? Social media and technology. The advances of social media and technology are, you don't have to, you don't need me to tell you how rapidly those things are changing and what that means to our culture, what that means to our relationships outside of this place and even inside of this place. War and rumors of war. None of us expected the, the war in Ukraine to last this long. And new alliances are being formed in the world. What does all of this mean? How is this going to affect us? Climate change and ecological threats are all around us. Political polarization, right? You, don't, you know all of this. And the constantly changing sexual ethics around us all this does is paint this picture of rapid change that is going on outside. And here's the thing. Every one of us brings that in here with us. We bring that in here with us. We bring anxiety into the church, and this anxiety threatens our unity, our actual unity in the gospel. Well, how? Well, remember... Are, uh, what anxiety is. It's a response to a threat. It's fear. That's what threatens us. That's why we, are so, uh, we get so anxious, because we're afraid. What are we afraid of? Well, many things. You could probably list many, many things. But I think there's two that, that I want to point out. The first one is that we fear the consequences of being countercultural. We fear the consequences of being countercultural in the church. 
You remember what Jesus said, right? You will have trouble. All right. And I I want you to know this before he is crucified. The world, if the world hated me, Jesus said, they're going to hate you. You will have trouble, but I leave you my peace. And so when we live in all of the rapid changing around the world, the temptation is to always be in step with all of the change. And sometimes we have to stop and go, wait, what is unchanging in the world? Well, the gospel is unchanging. Jesus Christ is unchanging. God is unchanging. And we cling to him. What this does is take a lot of pressure to be always changing out with the world. And if we don't find and feel the pressure of being countercultural, it may mean that we're trying to change with the world. So we need to be countercultural because being a Christian will cost us. It cost Paul. That's why he's in prison. So it will cost us. So we fear the consequences of being countercultural. But there's another fear that I think we fear. We fear that cultural change all around us is more powerful than the gospel. I think we're afraid that all of the change that's happening in the world is actually more powerful than the gospel itself. And this is a big temptation. I, I, I think, you know, Ryan, um, I've learned, I learn a lot from Ryan Flaster, who's leading our um, sort of the, the prayer ministry and, and introducing healing prayer and um, leading uh, the Jesus uh, healing prayer study. Um, and it's been very edifying. And I highly recommend if you hear of anything happening with the healing prayer to, to come and join it. Um, but something that I've realized through that, that ministry is how often and how quickly when something happens, um, somebody needs healing or I need healing. Um, my first thing is reach for the ibuprofen, right? To go to the medicine cabinet. Um, but I would never say that God is not as powerful as medicine. It's just that's where I go, right? Um, And it shows something within me that I think, now don't misunderstand me, medicine's important, okay? I benefit greatly, you benefit greatly. I'm not saying don't take your medicine. I'm not saying that at all. But what I am saying is that oftentimes we put more faith in the things that we can see than those things that we can't see. And when that happens, we start to develop ways of, of reacting and responding to the world, dealing with our own anxiety, using the world's solutions. And so this is a threat, I think, to our unity in the gospel. And we could do one of two things with these fears, right? Or we could do, this is the bad thing that we can do with these fears. We can either capitulate to our culture, yep, Start always changing with the culture. That's not good, right? Um, we, we, we can, uh, we can uh, lessen the blow of countercultural, being countercultural, for the sake of comfort. But the other way is that we can begin to trust the world's means of fighting it. We can go straight to government. Right? We can go straight to military or violence or all the different ways that the world responds to all of these things. And that's not the way to go. Paul says he envisions us striving together. 
Now, throughout this series, what I want to do is just kind of share a little bit of my own um, my own anxiety and struggle with anxiety. I, I grew up in a very anxious home, so I learned how to respond to threats perceived or real um, very well. <laughs> Not well, I, I should say. I was I, I I I learned terrible ways of doing these things. So my my journey is one from intense fear to incredible freedom, and I'm not there yet. I'm I'm somewhere in between. Um, and, and these things manifest in all kinds of fears throughout childhood. But it wasn't until my early adulthood that I started having panic attacks. Now, if you've ever had a panic attack, I, I'm not going to ask you to, to raise your hand if you've had a panic attack. But you know what this feeling is. It's a loss of control. It's a, a sense of doom. And what it is is that physiological response to a perceived threat. And it's usually not a, a threat at all. For me as a child, it was vomiting. I was terribly uh, afraid of vomiting. I was never sick. I, never, I hardly ever vomited as a child, but I was extremely, uh, it was a perceived threat, and it created all kinds of anxiety. And it starts, you, start, you start to feel the adrenaline run. And what you start to feel is that fight or flight response. So if you've ever been in a, in a, in a threatening situation and you've kicked into that fight or flight response, your adrenaline starts rushing, become more strong and powerful, and you're either running or you're fighting, right? This is a natural part of the human system. And this is how, this is what anxiety does, that it kicks in our fight or flight systems. So we must, uh, so our various response to all of these threats are either fight or flight. But I think what Paul is telling us is to strive together. Strive together is his point. How do we do that? Well, anytime anxiety starts to, 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 to show its face within the church, what we need to learn how to do is discern. Is our unity in the gospel the thing under threat? Is that what's under threat that's causing the anxiety? Or is it something else? Is it our unity in the gospel under threat? Or is it my comforts? The things that I find comfortable. You know, I hate to tell you this, but you're in a church plant. You're all church planters. We've been talking about that. And part of being a part of the church plant is there's a lot of change that happens. A lot of things change. And, 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 and at one certain change that I'm really dreading is Lucas and Parker are working their way to, to going to seminary in next fall, right? Not sooner, next fall. Which means that's change. That means music changes, right? We can't meet at Forest Heights for forever. That changes. That will change at some point. Change is always happening. And we have to be able to discern whether, am I anxious because of the change? Or am I anxious because our unity in the gospel is at stake? Because if it's just change, I can let that go. I can give that to God. If the gospel is at stake, we need to strive together. So our comforts will threaten this. Our, our sense of control. Is my influence within the church at question? Can, what, if I, what if I can't get my way? What if, what if my voice isn't heard? What if, what if? It creates anxiety in us. And sometimes I need to hear your voice. And sometimes we have to do things that not everybody wants to do. And the question is, 
Is it, is it our unity in the gospel that's at stake? Or is it just my control? And this is a weird one. Is it our unity uh, in the gospel at stake? Or is it our community that's at stake? I only bring this one up because I've been in a community that so valued community for its own sake. that I'm not sure that the gospel was the unifying thing. So we can look at community and say community at all costs, even to the extent of sacrificing the gospel. So we need to be able to understand these things as we, as we experience anxiety together because we're in a system and we're bringing it all into the world. We, we have anxiety. And we need to be able to discern where that's coming from. But if it's, the, if it's the gospel, our unity and the gospel that's under threat, we're not to fight that. We don't, we don't, we don't fly from it. We strive together. This is what Paul says. He wants to find them standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. So this word striving um, is a Greek word, suno Suno athleo. So you can hear the word, a word in there, can't you? It's athletics. It's the same word we get athletics, athletes. It's a, it's a, it's a sports word. <laughs> it means to compete together uh, with others or to cooperate vigorously with. You get this idea that we're a team. We're a team. We're striving side by side. Um, I was recently reminded, some of you were, were here the, from the very beginning when we were meeting at the Vale's house. We walked through um, Acts 2.42 and the following verses there at the end of Acts chapter 2 after the church, after Peter preaches the gospel and thousands come to faith and are baptized. And we get a glimpse into the life of the early church. And Acts 2.42 says, says that, the, the, that all of the converts there dedicated themselves to the teachings of the apostles, to the fellowship to the breaking of bread, and to the prayers. And so this is how we strive together. This is how we strive together. We dedicate ourselves to the apostles' teaching. It means a, 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 at least a couple things. One is what we're doing right here, through the preaching of the word. We hear this regularly, on a regular basis. But we're reading the Bible. We're studying, we're dedicating ourselves to the apostles' teaching. How did they understand the Old Testament? Let's get together and read it. We study the Bible. We read it together. We read it alone. We get together for study. We do that alone as well. But we're dedicated to the reading and the preaching of the word. We continue in fellowship together, which means we spend time together. We do things together. And I know you're doing things because I hear about so-and-so got together with so-and-so. So-and-so went and did this with this family, and it's awesome. It doesn't have to be sanctioned by Mission St. James. We live our lives together. We even rest together. We do things together in Christian um, fellowship. One of our, our, our values uh, here is relational hospitality. We are hospitable. We have each other in our homes. We show up and we invite others into the community. That's what the fellowship is. We're dedicating ourselves to the breaking of bread. We have common meals together. This is really important. We do this after service. 
But more importantly, we do it here together at the Lord's table. Because that's where all of our fellowship, that's where all of our breaking of the bread springs from, is here at the table as we meet Jesus at the table. We take it in there, and we have it in our homes, and we do this together. So these are really important ways that we strive together for the faith of the gospel. And finally, we pray together. We pray in here. Uh, I, I encourage you to pick up your Book of Common Prayer and pray the daily office, morning and evening prayer. One of those, as many as often as you can. One or both of those, as often as you can. Hopefully, um, we're, we're trying to work in ways next year to, to be able to do that together. Um, if you don't know how to pray the, the daily office, the best way to do it is with others. So we're trying to figure out how to make that, have at least that once a week for a little while. Healing prayer, being involved in that ministry, and, and, and interceding for each other, interceding for one another, taking care of each other, and praying for each other. One thing that uh, we need help with, and I'm just going to throw this out here, we need somebody to be our prayer coordinator. There's something going on in the, in the community. This person receives that, and they send this out through text messages or emails or whatever, so that the church is aware of our needs, and we can pray diligently and intercede for each other. So these are things, these are things that we could do to strive together for the faith of the gospel. And that's what Paul is encouraging the Philippians to do, and I think that's what the Lord is encouraging us to do as well. So we don't fight, and we don't fly. We strive. We strive together as a team. We strive together as a healthy system, as the body of Christ. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the day. We thank you so much for uh, what you have done in the gospel. We thank you for the, um, the, the good news that we spent the last several weeks unpacking in the book of Romans. And we pray, Lord, that the truth of the gospel would become the center of our fellowship together. And that whatever anxieties that we might bring in here, Lord, that we might, by your spirit, find a place of peace that we can be a people of peace in a very anxious world. So, Lord, we need your help to be able to do that. And we pray that you would guide us through this book of Philippians as you help us to do that. Help us strive together for the faith of the gospel. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.